All right, everybody. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Again, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Today, we're going to be talking about neoliberalism, 2020 election, the coronavirus, and just Americanism in general. And so today, we have, you know, we have someone joining us. We have Jacob Eaton on the line with us. Hey, Jacob, how are you? Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I am doing just well, doing just fine. Doing much better for those of you that um, knew about what happened with me. I ended up having heart surgery, so that's why there was no show last Sunday. But I wanted to make sure that I tried to do something today and kind of build things back up. You know, I'm feeling a little bit better, but I'm not totally out of the woods, you know, I ended up in an emergency room one time this week, and it is what it is. You know, that's just what happens. It comes with the territory. But lupus is a horrible, absolutely horrible disease. So for those of you out there, you know, you know, I'm with you. I understand what you're going through. So it has been a lot happening this week. You know, um, the stock market the free fall that happened, and um, it was the worst crash that they've seen since, what, 1983, Jacob, when we had I the market crash correct. that hard? Yeah. yeah you it, know, was, so it, it was bad. Exactly. But we've been anticipating this. And I've been telling you guys, oh. and you're like, oh, you've been telling us this for the last two, three years. It was past due. It was way Most past definitely. due. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what do you think we're going to head up with that in the future? I, I think it's not done bottoming out because I need for you all to understand is that what happens is when the stock market falls like this, what the cheddar tater tot has done is they print up more money. So they're printing up trillions of dollars to pump back into the economy. But what it does this last time, it gave it a bump and it closed out in the, in the positive for about almost 2,000 points this past Friday. But that's just a little hiccup. But this is the thing that I want you all to think about. They have $1.5 trillion to give to these corporations to stop the, you know, the fall in the stock market, but they don't have enough to give us universal health care. They don't have enough to deal in, to end poverty and homelessness. You know, why do they have money for those things, but they don't have money for the rest of us? That's something that I want you all to think about and to contemplate and to talk about. You know, what are your, what's your opinion on, those, on that? Well, I mean, I think in some ways that our country has become one gigantic ghetto. Um, we do the same policies that were happening to the African American and to other communities back in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and now it's being done on everybody. Um, I think that in some ways, it's in many ways that it's the ghettoization of America um, and the hollowing out of America, the shrinking of the pie of America, and that's what I see, and that's the issue that we have at hand. And that's why you see the stock market becoming not a part of the U.S. economy, becoming something separate and distinct from the U.S. economy. Exactly. And that ghettoization has been happening for years. It's just that many of the working class, middle class, poor whites, poor, you know, um, working poor 
white people have not realized, you know, what was happening. They realize that they're not getting as much as they've been accustomed to getting. You know, they realize that a lot of these manufacturing jobs and corporations have moved to places like Mexico and other places, and they're upset about that. A lot of that came to be because of NAFTA, North American Free Trade Association, right, agreement. And, you know, you know, a lot has happened since then. So now what you're seeing is more of a rebellion happening there because with the election of Barack Obama, you had white people out there on the news specifically talking about jobs for white men and how they had decreased, and that's how the Tea Party came to life. And so you're seeing some of the effects of the Tea Party and what they were able to do. Let me show you, share with you some of the things. They started running people for local office, state office, and then eventually for Congress. That is where that is why we have Ted Cruz. He is a definite byproduct of the Tea Party. And what they did is they went into the Republican Party and they just took it over. That is exactly what they've done. And for those of you out there that are progressives and you see what's happening with Bernie Sanders and what happened with Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren was punished for being a woman, but not only being a woman, but being a competent woman, a very smart and able woman. And I don't know how they pulled this off for Joe Biden, but there is no way in hell that Joe Biden came from that far behind to, 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 the, to the forefront, you know, and, and, you know, again, we don't have any proof to, to prove that, you know, the Democratic Party is up to their shenanigans again. But, again, like I've told you guys, they've been throwing elections, you know, really throwing elections away since the 80s, right? And yeah. them putting moderates in place, those moderates are nothing but Republicans or Republican light. And the thing is, if you listen to Joe Biden, who does not have a message, all he's saying is that he wants America to go back to the way it was before Trump. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. Even before Trump was in office, we had problems there, and especially the way that black and brown people, but specifically black people in this country, have been cheat, you know, treated. We had some major problems. Who the fuck wants to go back to that? <laughs> Well, um, I have some insight on how they did it um, without saying any names. Because, I mean, I used to be an official with the Democratic Party. So I kind of got an inside scoop on what happened. Um, the elites decided they were going to, um, the elites decided that they were going to, uh, you know, make a change. Or they did not want Bernie or Elizabeth as the nominees because they figured that they were going to. They were going to miss out on the opportunities maybe win in South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee and Kentucky if we ran a liberal, which I think mm-hmm. is a um, a faulty, which I think is a faulty um, um, paradigm or a faulty way of thinking about things. Um, but that's what they did. They think they have to run a moderate. Now, the way they did it was one thing that – one smart thing that Biden's campaign did, they hired every single black person they could possibly find that was competent as his campaign staff. So he saturated the South with that, you know, not actually doing anything but showing that, hey, he gives – he cares about us. And 
<laughs> then when the uh, congressman came out there and said what he said, that was a done. De- that was a wrap. You know, and that's what happened there. Um, he just got, you know, he, Bernie got played because you know Bernie's policies would help us disproportionately, but he wasn't really out there saying like, "Hey, look, if I do this school, this school, school debt forgiveness, it's going to help African American women the most." If I do this health care right. forgiveness, it's going to help everybody the most, but it's going to help you too more so than any, you know, directed program that we could possibly put together. You know, I can't give you, exactly. and also you were saying like, too, I can't give you reparations, but what I can give you is a big leg up. And I think that that debt forgiveness would have been a huge thing. And then you throw in the medical care and all of that, those are the main things that, or those are the two main things that keep us back. Like if you wipe out those two things, you know, now we're looking pretty damn good. You know, we're not at a zero income in the next 20 years. We're way ahead of the game. We can start our own businesses. We can do a lot of things if we have health care and if we have, you know, that we don't have that yoke of school debt. In fact, another thing that the uh, one other um, byproduct of not having school debt is that you'll have a society that's freer to protest. You know, you have a society that's mm-hmm. freer to move around and, and take chances. And that's one of the things that we have right now. We have a society that's not willing to take any chances because they're scared to lose what little they have. You know, but this was by design by the Nixon administration. You know, they didn't want... Exactly. They, they start tweaking the system so that people were going to start getting school debt when they want to go to school. And eventually that school debt was going to get astronomical. And then later on in the 80s, they said, hey, let's get rid of uh, being able to discharge this in bankruptcy. So now you have this permanent thing on you till you're, you're, you're well into your 40s where you can finally get this thing off of you. And, you know, by that time, you're not a threat to the society. You're not willing to protest. You're willing to just conserve. So it's uh, really interesting. Oh, yeah, you know they. Oh yeah, no, they just drain all of. <laughs> they drain all of the, you know, the activism, all of the, you know, the fight and fire that's inside of you. They do their damnedest just to drain it out, one way or the other. And you're absolutely correct because you know, the elite ruling class white people. They were able to sell to, you know, working class, working um, poor, poor whites. They were able to sell the student loans and, and changing all of these things to them. And even though, the, you know, the poor whites knew that they would be paying the same penalty as everyone else, they were willing to pay that penalty as long as the welfare queens and the immigrants didn't get anything for free. The same argument you see when they, you know, spout out against the Affordable Care Act or universal health care. Again, it's about, you know, they want other people to suffer. They just don't want black people and brown people to find any type of relief, have any type of relief. And you're absolutely correct with Richard Nixon and what they started implementing and putting in place. It was a long-term strategic plan. And, you know, this is how we got Trump. You know, besides the Tea Party, you know, this is what happened with Nixon, the Southern Strategy. So I want you guys to go and look up Southern Strategy and see what what was happening because what happened was with the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Bill, 
you know, blacks were able to make some gains, but on the back end, they started making all these laws and these policies that took all of it back. So that's why when we start talking about racism, we're not talking about Mr. Doe over there not liking me. We're talking about Mr. Doe, you know, the moderate, you know, liberal Democrat who says all of the right things and say, well, yeah, no, racism is wrong. I'm anti-racist. I'm not just not racist. I'm anti-racist and gives us all the platitudes and spouts out all of the anti-racist rhetoric. But then he goes and he votes for the candidate that are, that's going to make sure that his children don't have to go to school with yours. And then turn around and argues and gets upset when you accuse him of racism and it's, you know, Talking about I don't have a racist bone in my body, but didn't you vote for Donald Trump? You're you're a Democrat. You're you're a moderate Democrat, but you voted for Trump. Why is that? And that's because yeah. they have nothing to lose. They will still be white, so they're not going to lose yeah, anything were, in this fight. Yeah, there were authors back in the '80s, well '70s even. Um, a gentleman by the name of Morton Minsk. You can look up some of his books and some of his writings, but he was a journalist and. He talked all about this, about just the certain policies that were put in place. Heck, even some policies that Jimmy Carter put through as far as um, um, dealing with the trucking industry, which basically took away the right to strike. And, uh, you know, so these policies have been, you know, always been snuck in a little bit at a time. Um, Then when Ronald Reagan got in office, it just went into overdrive because black people actually reached their, their peak in the 70s. And then what happened mm-hmm. after that? You had the war on drugs, and then you had, you know, you had uh, the welfare queens with uh, under Clinton. You had all these different policies that have just put ground us down. But the thing they did not understand when they were doing it is that it's going to affect us. It's going to hurt us, but it's going to hurt your own people more. And so now exactly. they have the their these white people out here thinking that. You know, or we're going to do better than the, the Negroes, the black people with Trump. And Trump is putting in place policies that are going to hurt them even more. And it's, it's, just, it's just funny to see it. I mean, I don't think they even get, they don't even understand what's happening to them. You know, we'll survive because most of us are in blue states or more wealthier areas where there are jobs and things. These people are in object poverty in eastern Kentucky. You know, if you want to see a third world country go out to anywhere in Appalachia and you will see object poverty. Exactly. You're absolutely correct. And, you know, they're willing to make the sacrifice if they believe that we're going to suffer more than they do. And that's (laughs) why. (laughs) Exactly. We (laughs) never do. And the thing is, is that, you know, what they do is is they fool these people because many of them have absolutely no idea how the white population is dwindling and dying out and how they're not repopulating as quickly as they want, which is why they're attacking Roe versus Wade and trying to force folks into having children that they can't afford or don't want, Right. And so it's just it's, it's interesting when you start trying to explain these things to people, especially white people. They look at you like you have a third head, you know, and, then, <laughs> and that you're speaking some type of language that they've never heard before. And so, and especially when you take it up a notch and you start talking about honorary ethnic white people, right? 
because the only mm-hmm. true white people are white Anglo, Anglo-Saxon Protestants. So they expand the Venn diagram to add people like, you know, Italians, especially the ones from the south of Italy, you know, um, Irish people. You know, at one point in time, Irish and Irish people and Italian people were called guineas, which is another word for nigger. You know, mm-hmm. and, and when you try to educate people on these things, they're looking at you crazy, especially another white person. I remember this white guy that I used to work with. He was Jewish, and he would get angry when I would say, I don't consider Jewish people white. And he's like, yes, we are. And I'm like, not until the 60s. You were Before the 60s, you were not considered white, and you're still not white. You're an ethnic white. And, you know, people will want to argue that point with me. And I say, well, when you go to the grocery store, where do you find your food? <laughs> right along the Japanese food. <laughs> right, in the ethnic aisle. And they would get so upset. Oh, they would get so upset, you know. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's the Yeah, but it's the truth. So they keep expanding mm-hmm. that Venn diagram so that when the census comes out, you'll have certain sectors. Like now, you have Latinx folks, especially Mexicans that think that they are white and some Puerto Ricans. And I had this one Puerto Rican woman say to me, oh, because I couldn't remember her. And she was like, oh, so all us white people look alike. And I was like, white? Who's white? She was like, I'm white. And I'm like, on what planet? And so she's looking at me, and she's turning red. And I was like, have you not been paying attention on the social rung? Puerto Ricans rate even below black people, you know, and I'm like, so there is no way in the world you are white. And and I said, you know, let's talk about that grandmother or great-grandmother that you don't like to talk about. That grandma or great-grandma looks like me, looks more like me than they look like you. And so well. when I get to talk to people about these things, you know, and it's like the only difference between a Mexican, a Puerto Rican, a Haitian, a Jamaican, a Cuban, and an American, a black American, is a boat stop. You're my cousin. Yeah. Somewhere down that line, we're related. Hey, let you me know. tell you, I did that DNA test, right? And mm-hmm. turned out I had cousins in Puerto Rico. I had distant cousins in, in Jamaica. I had cousins in Mexico. And I was like, wow. Like, you know, people off my ancestral line, I was like, okay, wow. Like, you know, people with an eighth or ninth or tenth cousins all over the place, mm-hmm. you know. So, exactly. I mean, just – and I'm sure when they do more DNA tests, it's going to get even bigger. So, it's just wild. And then when you look at, like, South American – well, Mexican DNA in particular, all of them just about are testing somewhere in between 3 to 15 to 20%, depending on where they're exactly. from. At the low part, 3 at the high part, 15, 20%, all of them. So that's why I liked a couple of years ago. What was it, this year? or no, last year. It was last year when um, well, one of the rappers came out and says, look, if you are Caribbean and you speak Spanish, uh, you black. Let's, let's, let's just cut the <laughs> bullshit. You're black. All right? Right. You know, let's just let's cut it out. Now, you might have a special thing that happened, but you black. And then they did a DNA test of, um, you know, these Italians and stuff. A lot of them, they black <laughs> or have some black blood. Exactly. That they black, you know. So it's just it's exactly. just funny how this whole thing works is that these people think that, uh, you know, they something other than what they are. 
you know, and they, but they know, you know, these racists know that, hey, you know, Texas is about to go brown. You know, they know it. So, yeah, they do need exactly. more honorary black pe- white people to carry on their white supremacy, you know, and hell, that's the same thing that happened even in India, you know, thousands of years ago when they created the caste system. You know, this thing, this poison in our society of of white supremacy is, is it's it's not based in facts. It's a fairy tale. You know, even white people ain't white. <laughs> just, I mean, they're not. I mean, you know, this shit. Have you been to the Caucasus Mountains? What, what do people look like? Right. You know, and you exactly. know, it's just a it's just a fiction and a fairy tale, and it's just been so destructive over the past four hundred years or five hundred years. This, this this notion has come up. I mean, that's the way I look at it. It's just it's just destructive because it, it creates this false narrative about human history. And um, I'm, I'm sorry, I digress. I'm, you know, I go off on tangents sometimes, but, you know, I just look at it like this thing is just the same as uh, um, capitalism in a lot of ways. It's a fairy tale that doesn't work for the masses. It's a way for the rich to control the poor. Um, exactly. You know, that's all it is. I mean, it was created in this country because they were like, we can't have these slaves working with these Irish because if they work together, they're going to overthrow our asses. So exactly. let's get these damn Irish. Let's get these damn Irish thinking that they something special. You know, they're they're closer to us than them. Right. You know, hell, exactly. even the term redneck was about some miners, black and white miners, running up and down hills trying to get unionized. <laughs> so, right. Even the term redneck, right. and now that's changed. You know, we say redneck, you think a white supremacist. You know. Exactly. Exactly. See what you just said there? You know, you are on it. And that was a nice, you know, connection there to the neoliberalism that, you know, we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about today. But, no, you're absolutely right. And, see, what's happening now with the stock market, with the free fall, and, and, you know, people are panicking all over the place. But, see, again, that's, you know, we sit here and we talk about white supremacy or white pathology and, and neoliberalism and all of that. But many people in this country cannot, cannot – vision a world without the stock market, right? And mm-hmm. and and I don't understand why that is. But also we have to be careful when we talk about these things because you have some people out here that fetishizes white supremacy. And so, you know, and, and, and that's where the, the neoliberalism and the black and brown participation in neoliberalism and the black and brown resuscitation of neoliberalism, not understanding how, you know, this is really killing us. And it's killing not only us, but it's also killing the generations coming after us. And we have to start addressing these particular issues, you know, because you'll have people, you know, especially some black folks out here, and oh, and I also have to tie this into the libertarianism, because I'm starting to see more and more black people, you know, identify as libertarians, and they don't even really understand. You know, we see that. I don't think I announced myself who I was. I'm the, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, the president of BAAU, um, the chief administrator of BAAU. That's uh, Black Atheists and Agnostics United. And, um, yeah, we've seen that in black Republicans, these black libertarians. Um, a lot of them I boot from the group when they start getting out of pocket because I'm a, you know, I'm a democratic socialist. And you catch me on the right day, I'm a socialist. <laughs> so, um, 
So, um, yeah, and you, you see this stuff, and, and I don't understand it for me. I mean, it, it just, it's just mind-boggling. It's like holding on to a religion. You know, the thing that really, you want to grind my gears, you start talking libertarianism. The stuff has never, ever, ever worked. The places that they've tried it were fourth world countries, have become fourth world countries, you know, throughout <laughs> South America, certain, you know, that, 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 that neoliberalism is, is a stain on human humanity. It's, I would say it's just as bad, if not worse, than um, Nazism. You know, it, it's fascism. Exactly. It's the same thing. Exactly. You know, it's, that's right. It's the same type of thing, and and, and and always, you know, you can't like. I remember I got in an argument when I was when I first went to school, and this teacher was he was one of these damn Ann Rand types, and <sighs> this fool said, "No, this is my teacher. This is my history teacher," and we got into a heated argument that lasted the whole class because I was like, "You can't find for me. Find for me one time." that there was a war because of religion or because of something, you know, religion or cultural heritage or anything. All religions are about, I mean, all wars are about one thing, and that's economics. There's always exactly. an economic component. The, those other ish, side issues and all the other bullshit is the side issues to get the poor people out there mad enough to go out and, and die for you and making money. Every single war. And exactly. he went back home. Luck, I mean, to his credit, he went back home, talked to his wife, and he was like, well, damn, you were right. I was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> exactly. And, but you, you see know. them setting up the same scenario in this country. You know, you, you, when they're talking about, you know, abortion, when they're talking about school choice yeah. and just a number of these liberalism, you know, neoliberalism um, um, fights, if you will. And yeah. and they tell you that it's been ordained by God and all of this. But it's all about economics and, again, oppressing black and brown people in this country. You know, but it's not only yeah. the white people doing that because, see, this is the thing, the, the black elite, the you know, the black ruling class, if you will, the black politicians and those type of people, they're refusing to address certain issues. So they're not, you know, addressing homophobia or transphobia. They're not addressing poverty and patriarchy. They're not addressing wealth inequality and all of these different things. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't affect them, but they can capitalize and they make money off of people being poor. People do not realize that being poor is by design and that they make money to keep you poor. Just like with the market, you make you can make money when the market is going up. You can make money when the market is going down. And with, you know, with, with people, it's just sometimes I just feel like just, ripping my brain out of my head because it's like, what the hell? I, I don't understand why other people aren't seeing it. And no matter how you break it down, it's harder and harder for them to to, to come to any type of resolution or to, you know, even begin to think about things in this way. But it's not their fault because, you know, I've yeah, talked well, about. The school system. They've been teaching this Chicago mm -hmm. school economics bullshit. The only economics right. that works that I call it the knocked in the head factor. Um, the knock to the head factor is this, is that when you have a situation where you have object poverty, you run the risk of getting knocked in the head. And that a lot of people have been taught that money is power. Money is money. Power is power. Okay? 
If I have right. a gun and you have a million dollars, what good is that million dollars going to do for you? Okay? Yes, yeah. you could buy some people to help you out. You piss them off or you make them think, hey, I might have a better job with this guy over here that has a gun, then <laughs> that's what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't, ain't going to want is going to just take the money that they themselves. You know, you know, he ain't got to rob you. I'm going to rob you. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So that's the problem. It's called the knock-the-head factor. And the Chicago School of Economics and their policy, their neoliberalism policies, they're not based in reality. There is nothing in it that is actually real as far as the economy. Uh, it's, it's a joke. In fact, it's just recently been proved completely bullshit. The, um, the, um, the uh, what was it called? The, uh, there was a book that just recently came out. It was called... Uh, Oh, good economics for hard times. It won a Nobel Prize. So that means all oh, the yeah. economists in the world got together and said, you know what? They they means tested all the neoliberalism ideas and they said this is all bullshit. Keynesian economics works. So how about that? Even the, the, how about yeah, that? The, and the, even the the, prof- the people that know economics said this shit don't work. If you look at like NFL teams. All of them are socialist. Their players get paid only a certain amount. But you don't see people working harder trying to get more money and stuff like that. I mean, they work hard to get more money, but they know that it's within a range. They do well because they want to do well, okay? Some people are just built like that. You know, you look at the Olympics, same thing. You know, speaking about that, I got a capitalist calling me now. But... (laughs) (laughs) You know, but the thing is that, you know, you have the black mm-hmm. elites and the black ruling class, and they refuse mm-hmm. to confront these issues. They refuse to confront it. They refuse to address it. And, and because we could have had some, some remedy, right? We could have had some type of remedy yeah. or relief by now, but they won't do it. And, and you know, and I also, you know, I'm going to go ahead and tie this in a little bit to religion but specifically to the word of faith, prosperity gospel. You know, again, that's hyper-capitalism, you know, or capitalism on steroids inside of the black church, right? Whereas you're, you're blamed for your own poverty, right? Nope. And, and yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. And so, you know, when you start talking about these particular type of, you know, I call them imperial policies, right, or imperialism, you know, it's, 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 it's just hard to get through to people because of the fact that, you know, these specific tautological arguments here, you know, these people in these specific churches and many others, because that, that word of faith, you know, seed-based faith or seed-based um, religion or, or doctrine has, you know, spread everywhere. But basically you have poor people trying to relate to very wealthy people, millionaires, billionaires, talking about God wants you to be the next millionaire, God wants you to be the next billionaire. They're trying to relate to these people when they don't relate to these people. They're voting the same way that those people will vote because in their mind, they believe one day that they will be just as rich and they want everything in place so when they get there, that it would be, you know, that they can keep their money as well. And, I mean, it's, it's the same type of psychology that's been, you know, sold to poor whites and working-class whites, you know. And so it's just really oh, yeah. interesting when you sit back and you try to, you know, break this shit down and, like, look, this is what's happening. You, They have tricked you. They, You know, you've been yeah. hoodwinked. You've been bamboozled. 
and they're looking mm-hmm. at you like you're crazy. And then, you know, with us, we're coming from, you know, a non-religious perspective. So, you know, all they're doing in their head is saying, you're the devil and I'm going to pray for you. Yep. Yep. I mean, you see it all. You see that one all the time. I mean, actually, in some ways, I kind of like it because it's been great for business. I mean, you know, BAU has <laughs> been growing. I know another shameless plug. But, uh, it's okay. yeah, BAU has been growing just simply because of that. You know, when Trump got elected, we grew by 1,000 members, actually by 2,000 members. So, but these, these, I mean, it's just, it's insane about how these people do this. And, you know, I have people in my own family that subscribe to some of this, this nonsense. And we are primarily a, pretty much an agnostic family. At least half of us are agnostic or atheist, you know. And it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's just mind-boggling that people buy into this, you know, this 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 garbage. You know, capitalism has never worked for black people. It never has. Right. It's never worked for us. Okay. You know, you go back to slavery times. It still did not work for us. You know, what happened with slavery? People were like, hey, I'm going to get rich selling my, I'm selling my neighbor over here. I'm going to get rich selling him. And they end up fucking themselves royally. Right. You know, and it, it, it's, it, it's just absolutely mind-boggling how this, this, this thing, this poison has infected the world. And I look at it like this. Like I tell people like this. I said, you know, capitalism has failed. It hasn't worked for the vast majority of people. It's time for something different. It really is. It's time exactly. for something different. It's time for the human race to move on because it's now even destroying the planet. So Exactly. And, and, and it has to be addressed because you have some people out here, especially certain types of black nationalists, they have a, diff- a lot of different flavors or a lot of different categories of black nationalism. But you have some black nationalists that are out here saying, well, capitalism, you know, in a black community, that's why we're not getting anywhere because we need to be capitalists. We need to be building our own businesses. We need to privatize this, that, any other, and then we get on to part of it and, and all will be well. Capitalism, whether it's in black face or white face, will still not save us, period. No, no, definitely. You're you're 100% right on that. You know, we need something different. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go, you know, all Stalin or all Leninist, but what I am saying is that we need to take the middle path. That's why I can't say that I'm like a communist or anything like that, because I believe in the middle path. The middle path is a social safety net, um, a robust social safety net. Um, we have, like, housing. You know, you can't try getting a house in California. That's in, you know, any place that you would actually want to live. You know, it's next to impossible, you know. I mean, the, the salaries, like, in places like Seattle, just to live a middle-class lifestyle, you have to be making nearly $300,000 a year just to, you know, exactly. have a decent life. You know, that's that that's going to drain our resources, going to drain our economy, it's going to drain our people. It has dra- drained our people, um, especially black people. Um, your crime rates have gone up through the roofs, everything. It's, it's a drain, and we need something different. And, you know, the, the related to politics, Biden isn't the answer. Um, but 
even if he does get the presidency, which I'm not so sure he will, you can still right. force him. You know, I'm not one of these people that says, like, oh, well, if Bernie doesn't get it, don't vote. What I'm saying is this, is that you can still force Biden to do what's the right thing. You have to force the Congress. So you have to elect congressmen and senators that can do what you want them to do. You know, you're going to have to force exactly. them, like LBJ said. LBJ said, like a lot of people say, oh, LBJ was a racist. He did this, that, and the other. I was like, no, LBJ was smart. LBJ said like this. He called an all-black leader and said, look, I want to do X, Y, and Z, but you have to force me. Right. You know? Exactly. This guy, you're actually going to have to physically twist his arm to do the right thing, but you're going to have to force him. You know? Exactly. LBJ and he told them wanted to do those things. Yeah, LBJ wanted to do those things. I mean, he talked about it when he was a, a teacher at a Mexican school, and it, it, you know, it fucked him up for life. But, you know, <laughs> this guy, I mean, it did. I mean, you know, you hear him talk about it. He's like, I saw things there. <laughs> it scarred him. <laughs> but, you know, it, you know, it scarred him. But this guy is just a, is a tool. You know, Biden's a fucking tool. But we're going to have to force him, you know. And also... Some of these black politicians, the main thing we can do is primaries is coming up for the Congress and for the Senate. Primary day ass, get them out of office. I know that's what the, uh, was it AOC's little group? That's what they're doing. They're going around the country and primarying a lot of these conservative black congressmen in black districts, safe Democratic districts. They're primarying these fools and taking them out. Exactly. You know, we got one here where I live, and, um, I'm all for taking his ass out because he ain't shit. He voted with the Republicans for no fucking reason. Exactly. Exactly. Just because, you know, again, you know, we've been talking about show ponies, right? And, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You You really want to go in that conversation? You're trying to get me in trouble. No, 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 no. You're trying to get me in trouble today. But I mean, check it out. I don't, I've made myself clear. You know, if if you know a black person and they prefer to be the only black person in the room, that black person can't be trusted. Okay. Yeah. And that's the honest goodness truth. You know, because again, you know, there are some people out here or selfish hedonists who only care about themselves, and that's just mm-hmm. how it is. So what they will do. Yeah is they would shuck and jive to, you know, with the white people and, and, and not talk about certain things because it makes white people uncomfortable. While Sounds at the like same you're talking time, about someone in particular. No, want, no. Well, I'm talking something? about a bunch of someone. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about a bunch I mean, I know of a someone. few, too. Like, you know, I know a few, too. Right. One in particular that's in trouble with uh, a little gay scandal. So, yeah, we got, you, know, you know, one that was in a room with some uh, methamphetamine, you know. But, what? Uh, what? What? Huh? Huh? Yeah, uh, I, think that, I think that story is still spread. And I still think people don't believe it. And, and even nah. when everything comes out, and it will, you know, people are still going to be like, oh, yeah, well, they were set up. Man, I'm going to tell you up. this. That phone call I just got. That was from somebody right. that, that, you know, I used to work with. And uh, mm-hmm. he knows all the 401 because he's been saying he's going to get hemmed up for a long time. So, yeah, we, we've talked about that. 
Yeah. You know, and, so. and you know, and that crosses, you know, a number of things. But yes, it's a lot of black people who are getting their comeuppance at this point, especially in mm-hmm. politics, because you know, yeah. you know, I'll say the cheddar tater tie has had something to do with some of these black politicians being basically exposed. You know, and yeah. and it's, the whole thing is just I'm just sitting back and watching. Because what happened in South Carolina with James Clyburn and how he pretty much anointed Joe Biden, and then, you know, the black people went out and voted for Joe Biden, you know, and, and, you know, as we discussed, you know, black people want to vote for someone who they think is going to win, which is why they came out in mass for Barack Obama. You know, we were sitting on the sidelines and looking, he ain't going to win, and and then all of a sudden he won. And we're like, well, wow, maybe, maybe this guy can. Yeah. <laughs> but then he got yeah, in Catholic office in South and did absolutely like nothing for us. He made our state. situation work. Go ahead, hon. Yeah, I mean, I just look at it like you know, the South Carolina is a state that shouldn't be on anybody's primary because it's it's, it's not an accurate representation of black folks. It's not. You know, these people are in a very southern state, very red state, and they're scared. Right. So I don't. I, that's that's how I look at South Carolina. I mean, it's 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 not us, you know. It's just not us, you know. Now, if you had something like a hell, even a Florida would be better than South Carolina, you know. Right. But, but there's one thing that I do want story. to address. Oh yeah, no. But it's one thing that I do want to address because you know I haven't been able to say anything because I hadn't done a show. But you have a mm-hmm. lot of people, especially white people saying that the voters in South Carolina are dumb or that they're no information, low information voters. And that is not true. The people who are really low information, no information voters are white. Those are white people. And as you said, the people in South Carolina, many of them are scared, but also they're looking to their leadership to tell them what to do, who to trust. So, you know, as we were talking about, James Clyburn is considered one of those black kingmakers, if you will. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh-huh. the thing that pissed me off is when Cory Booker threw his support behind Biden. It's not, the, you know, the fact that he threw his support behind Biden is not what upset me. It was the fact that he did it in a fucking sermon at a press conference. Yeah. And and, and, yeah. and that's what angered me. That is what angered me on that. Well, Cory Booker, I always, like, you know, he was trying to run as a progressive. He was trying to do an Andrew Gillum. You know, run as a progressive, but you're not really a progressive. And, um, you know, because I remember when he started running, and it was like, I was like, who's supporting him? I was like, do they know this guy? I mean, I can tell you right. like this. I can't, like, I live in Tallahassee. I can't tell you how many times that boy done done some shit to shut down black progressive movements or to shut down black movements because they didn't want the power, you know, leaving their hands. Or leaving the, pra- exactly. the preacher's hands and things like that, you know. I can tell some stories on that, you know. You know, one this guy that I used to work with, you know, actually he was my chairman. He brought me into the party as a uh, as um, sitting on the steering committee, and um, and you know he started a group after you know the party did him dirty, and yeah, that's what happened. They they just they just killed his group. And Andrew was one of the main people there, you know, writing letters, you know, a, a letter in a hearing, open hearing, 
basically downing what he was doing or were downing what black people were doing, trying to get away from the plantation. Exactly. So, like, when they talk about what's happening to him now, you know, I feel bad for his family, but, hey, karma's a bitch. You know? Exactly. That's the way yes, I view that. Oh, yeah, and neoliberalism, well, neoliberals, whether they are white or black, but especially if they're white, they have no intention mm-hmm. of sharing their power, giving up their privilege, or giving up their positions of power, if Absolutely you will. Not. Yeah, and the black liberals, neoliberals, are the same way. So that's why, you know, I've had a lot of people get angry with me when I, you know, when I come down on the case of, you know, progressives and moderate Democrats, especially the white ones, right? But I come down on the case of the black ones as well because, you know, they don't mean us any well either. And, oh, yeah, so I got to make sure I make something clear. All right. So I was a never Biden, right? I Uh I, I voted for Elizabeth Warren in the primary because I voted early. So I voted for Elizabeth Warren. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, I would have voted for Bernie Sanders as well, but it's looking like it's going to end up being Biden as the Democratic nominee. Now, at first I was saying that I wasn't going to go vote during a general election. I was going to stay home, but I've kind of mm-hmm. reversed myself on that. You know, if I have to go mm-hmm. vote in general election and it's Biden, then so be it. But it's not because I've changed my views on anything, but because I believe that if I do not vote – and, 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 you know, I still think Trump is going to win. I'm not going to lie to you. But if I do not uh-huh. vote, I feel as though I'm giving my middle finger and my ass a kiss to working class, middle class, and poor black people. And I can't do that. I can't yeah. do it, you know, because, you know, it hurts my nieces and nephews and their children and my cousins and their children. So, you know, you know I've kind of matured a little bit. I don't know if it's because I had the heart surgery or not. But, you know, at this point, I feel like I can't afford to go out there and not vote because at the end of the day, you know, when there are people in need, I have no problems being there to help out. But if we we can kind of get this thing under control and, you know, I think Biden is only going to do one term. So whoever the progressives want to run, they need to start. All of that process starting the day after the general election. Oh, you know who it's going to be, right? I know who it's going to be. AOC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but they need to start running her from the very day after the general election. Started, you know, Trump started his new, um, you know, election funds and funding and, and everything the day after he was inaugurated. So he knew mm-hmm. he was going to have to run those four years. And the Democrats are waiting until like the last year and a half to run someone, and nobody liked pretty much any of the candidates that they were running in the primaries. You see how quickly and how quietly Deval Patrick disappeared. You know, who? And so, who was that? Who was that guy? Right. That's what was his name? Right. <laughs> <laughs> trip, you know, because it's like people like us, those of us that are speaking out against this neoliberalism and about against capitalism, you know, they see us as a threat. And then being, mm-hmm. you know, not religious on top of it is even more of a threat. And you're black, you know, so it's like, you know, we, you know, black atheists, black, brown, red, yellow atheists, marginalized communities, you know, atheists, 
Basically, we've gotten some pushback, but only a little bit. But it's going to get worse because we're getting through to people. Now, they may not consider themselves, you know, a humanist or a free thinker or an atheist or agnostic or what have you. You even have atheists out there. But um, the fact that we are getting people to questioning their religion, questioning Mm -hmm. leadership, questioning authority, we are a threat. And I expect some major pushback to start coming our way. So I just want you guys to brace yourselves because they're going to do everything that they can to discredit. Well, you already know you my know, game plan. Exactly. <laughs> all the exactly. <laughs> you know my game plan. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's a trip because, like, you know, it's it's just some people out there, you know, that that um, are out here and they call themselves pushing back, and I'm talking specifically, you know, to people in the black and brown atheist communities, you know, pushing back and and, and, and calling it defiance, right? But what they're mm-hmm. doing is they're using black atheism as a shield. Just like, you know, you have these white atheists and these, you know, white churches as well, you know, just these white communities that will allow a certain amount of black, brown, red, yellow people to come in, and not because they believe in what these people are saying, but because they need a show pony, and they need someone there that can shield them from accusations of racism and sexism and homophobia and, 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 you know, ableism and all of those. So, you know, you have these people that think that they're special, and it's like, no, you're a special tool. That's what you are. And you're being used, and you don't even realize how you are being used. You're not being defiant, not at all, because at the end of the day, you're still poor. Miss two or three checks, and we're going to see a GoFundMe for you up there as well. So, you know, I just sit back, and, you know, they think they're special little butterflies, but you're not. And then you have someone like me coming around, and then I'm labeled angry sock puppet. But you know what? When people call me angry now, I don't get upset. I embrace that shit. Yes, I am righteous. Yes, I have passion. Yes, all of these things. You know, and and I claim it. Yeah, you know how I am because you were on the phone call with me yesterday when um, certain somebody offered me some money. So to shut up about certain things that went on in Tallahassee politics. So, you know, you know how I stand on the issues, you know, and that's the one thing that, and I think that's what we need. What we need in the, especially in the black atheist and agnostic community, we don't need these people that believe in the orthodoxy of if atheism or agnosticism, because we, you know, you were on our, um, you were on our, um, our meeting today. We have membership from all around the world. There is no black Americans. We do not hold a, 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 the, the orthodoxy on what is blackness. And we do exactly. not hold the, we do not hold the keys to all the answers. And when I see some of these groups out here and I see some of these people out here that are, calling themselves leaders in our community, um, many of which have all kinds of uh, uh, Europeans involved in their organization. Many of these people kowtow to Europeans in their organizations. You know, I made this group, BAAU, I made the BAAU group. Decidedly, it's an international movement, but it's an 
African movement, and we yes, we do have some people of color. Okay, that's that was a decision made because I want all of us. I think all of us can learn from each other. I think all of us have the same problem, which is white supremacy. But how are you going to be against white supremacy and and kowtow to national organizations? You know, that's a problem for me. How are you going to be that organization when you're receiving checks from those European organizations? You know, how are you going to be that when you people, when these people, you know, oh, let me check to see what Mass is doing. First, I've been in some of those <laughs> white Let's simulate them. And those things Let's simulate are horrible. the way they're doing things because it's working for them. Go ahead. Huh? What did you say? I said, yes, yeah, emulate the way they're doing things. Those same black people oh, are trying please. to emulate the white people. <laughs> I have no desire to do anything that they're doing. Never have. That's why BAU AAU got created. Because exactly. one thing about me is that you always know I'm a free radical. <laughs> right. You know, I give those who are doing wrong cancer. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, shot fired. <laughs> oh man, oh man, not the c word, man. You, it's a man. So yeah, we're gonna move on from the c word. You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, but yeah, I mean, but that's the thing right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, but that's the thing right there. You know, it's it's about knowing who you are and what you are and where you are. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. not, you know, and, and some people out here that just don't know, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have mm-hmm. these shows and these conversations. But there are some out mm-hmm. there that know perfectly well what they're doing. And they're doing it to ingratiate themselves to the white power establishment, thinking that they're going to get something out of it, but not realizing that behind their back they're being laughed at. And, and you know, there are some that are absolutely disgusted with their behavior and some of the decisions that they make because those decisions hurt other, you know, um, people of color. But they don't yeah. get them because they're not looking at it from a collective sense. They're looking at it from an individual sense, which is one of the reasons why I had to back myself up on that Biden thing and not voting in the general election. And I chastised myself, and I said I have to vote because it's more than yeah. just what I want, my you know issue. But mm-hmm. another thing, I want to point the finger at black Bernie supporters out here saying that the people in South Carolina are low information, no information voters. Stop that. Stop it. Yeah, they made a because they made a decision with to what they thought was best. And also, exactly. like I said, that one thing that uh, Biden did that was smart, he hired a whole bunch of black consultants. Exactly. I mean a whole bunch you know, of black consultants. I know a few of them personally. Yeah. You know, oh, I ain't so talking to them right now. To blackness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I ain't talking to him right now, but I know him. <laughs> you know, we'll be friends after right. the, after the after the primaries again, hopefully. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But see, Biden is appealing to the black community by his proximity to blackness, starting with yep. Barack Obama to his staff. Uh huh. You know, and I need people to understand the psychology behind that. That is being done for a reason. 
That is being done mm-hmm. for a reason. Listen to, you know, Joe Biden's, you know, responses and his stances. He's not putting any stances out there. All he's saying is that he wants America to go back to the way that it used to be. That is his whole campaign mantra. Mm-hmm. Which I think is insane, but, that, you know, hey. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you want things to go back to the way it was, Jacob? Hell no, I want it to be better. Any <laughs> any right-minded thinking person would want things better. Not the way things were. I want things better. You know, that's exactly. what most people would think, of course. But, you know, hey, I'm not a consultant that gets paid the big dollars, even though I could, but I got, you know, I'm too much of a radical. <laughs> Right. And you have integrity, and that integrity goes a long way, you know. Now you can't be telling people I have integrity, okay? I, I've, I've worked very hard to be an <laughs> asshole throughout my career, okay? So you can't be telling people I actually have a fucking heart, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it's a, like, yeah, a that's heart? Like a what is that? And stuff. <laughs> you know, you know, and, know and the whole thing is that. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. You know, but I just sit back and people get mad when I talk about, you know, Barack Obama and his presidency. Because for the first four Mm -hmm. years, you know, in private conversations, I would point out what I thought was wrong. But in public, I was kind of, you know, I kind of bridled my tongue, if you will. But then after he won the second term, then that's when I started, you know, critiquing him. And, you know, I had a lot of black people get upset with me. You know, he's not the president of black America and, you know, all of this. Again, I'll state this. Black people need to have an agenda. We need an agenda. We need lobbyists. We need political action committees. We need to exert our power. You know, but Barack Obama was a black neoliberal president. He was actually, Mm -hmm. he was a moderate, which means basically he was a Republican. And I tell people he was a Republican, you know, and it's just interesting because, you know, before my mom passed away, we talked about him again. And she told me, she was like, you were right about him. And I'm like, I know I was right about him because we got into a big old fight before he won his first, you know, election in 2008. And, you know, and, and, and as time went on, she saw that I was right about that, but you know, Barack Obama, you know, is basically, you know, the figure that they're putting putting in front of us to to exude black respectability politics, right? You know, the good mm-hmm. Negroes, the new Negroes, that is what he represents, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's just, I'm just sitting back and looking because that didn't work for us then and it don't work for us now. And when I say then, I'm talking about before he was even elected. You know, that respectability yeah. politics achieves absolutely nothing, not a damn yeah. thing, because at the end of the day, you know, even if you're, you know, let's just say you're a multi-multi-millionaire or, you know, even a billionaire mm-hmm. black, you are still mm-hmm. considered the N-word. They don't care mm-hmm. how many billions you have. And on my last show, you know, I said something that I'm pretty sure that raised some eyebrows of white people, but it's true. If you are worth less than $500 million dollars, you are now considered white trash. You are the new white trash. And, yes, you don't like yeah. hearing that, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fully agree. Look, in full disclosure, I have to admit something, that I actually was a paid staffer for the, during the Obama administration. You know, I, I was one of the reasons why they did so well in Tallahassee. So, in full disclosure, I have to divulge that. Um, but... 
with that being said, I did not work for him the second go around because um, I did see the same thing, you know. And, you know, I did think that I was like, you know, what the hell is this guy doing? At first I thought, okay, it's just an experience. And then I realized what it was. Um, and, you know, I wasn't pleased, <laughs> to say the least. I still voted for him, but I was not pleased at, you know, what happened. You know, I wasn't pleased with the okie doke. And, you know, right. that's unfortunately that's what happened to us during that his administration. Um we got we got we got snookered, you know. Exactly. And when I saw like some of these other candidates out here, I saw the same thing, you know, oh they're trying to do the whole Obama thing. And, you know, we like I said, we need you see, Obama's election was about real change. America was hurting. People were hurting. They were looking for something real to happen, some real change. But what we got is, like, a, like you said, neoliberalism. I mean, this country did things during the Obama administration that if a Republican did it, they would have, they would have torched the White House. You know? Right. Exactly. But, exactly. But he did it. But he did it because it was a black face. It kowtowed the liberals. And a exactly. lot of the liberals, like I'm in a liberal group, um, um, I'm in a few liberal groups, and I listened to the political discourse and discussion, and I had to remind them that, you know, you guys are considering yourselves to be liberals. Well, what kind of liberal are you when, you know, Bernie Sanders, you're saying he's not a Democrat, he has the exact same policies as LBJ, FDR, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, John F. Kennedy. Exact same policy says the exact same thing, but you consider yourself a liberal. So what kind of liberal is that that you don't subscribe to those different those same policies? You know what are you then? Because you're not a liberal, right? You know, so exactly. And you're backing a Biden, a guy that would have been considered Republican, you know, thirty forty years ago. Well, you even know, now, so. you know, we call him Jim Crow Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, it's just, it's, it's just interesting how this thing is, you know, and the main reason why, actually probably the only reason why I'm voting for Biden, if he gets the nomination, is because of the Supreme Court. Because the level of awful that's going to happen if... Mm-hmm. Trump gets to pick Supreme Court justices is incalculable. You know, you haven't seen exactly. the really bad decisions come out. Of, you've seen a few of them, but you haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> if they get full control of the Supreme Court, oh, boy, you're going to see some. This country is just basically going to become a straight-up third-world nation. Well, it already is. So, it already well, is. Well, we won't have a veneer of being a superpower anymore. Let's put it like that. You know, know, it's a trip, you know, and the the few black people that Donald Trump was trotting out to the camera, they've been silenced and or fired, you know, they, but he likes that Ben Carson because Ben Carson is just as simple as he is. You got certain people, you take them outside of their subject matter expertise and it's like Mm -hmm. talking to a damn bag of bricks, you know. Um, (laughs) Let me tell you about Ben Carson. Ben Carson has a relationship with my family. In fact, when Ben Carson was running for president, 
Um, you can look this up. Um, my pops wrote an op-ed, or wrote a, they wrote a story about a case that he had. He, was, he hated Ben Carson. Ben Carson was a lying sack of shit. He got up on the he got up on the stand and lied during the case that he had. Um, ben Carson is ugh, he's just a piece of work. He is he's always been um, a person without morals and any dignity or honor. You know, yeah. just I mean, just a complete shit bag. You know, you can look it up, Alan Eaton, um, and type in Ben Carson, and that story will come up. And yeah, we do not like Ben Carson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, we do not like yeah. him. No, he's a shithead, exactly. shitbag, and been a shitbag for many, many years. So, how about that? How about that? You know, it's just yeah. you know, it's just interesting when we start talking about black politics and and how it has done more harm to our community than good. I'm gonna post. Um, a PDF or link to a PDF later on, but if you want to look it up yourself, it's called Black Politics and the Neoliberal Racial Order. Again, Black Politics and the Neoliberal Racial Order. This is written by Michael C. Dawson and Megan Ming Francis. And what I find interesting here is that they have a few quotes at the beginning, but it's a quote specifically by Jay-Z. He says, my presence is charity, just who I am just like Obama's is. Obama provides hope, whether he does anything, the hope that he provides for a nation and outside of America is enough. And personally, I feel as though that's giving him, you know, an easy way out, giving Barack Obama an easy way out, you know. But again, if we really want to push things, a lot of things could have been done for the black and brown communities, but we have to push the politicians. We have to push that representative, that senator. We have to really get on them. We have to go out there and do the work. But I understand why some people are hesitant to do it, because when you're out there, you're an organizer, you're an activist, and you're pushing back, that's an easy way to get suicided, you know, or locked yeah. up somewhere in a padded yeah. room. Yeah, it's no joke. We got CoinPro 2.0, CoinTelPro exactly. 2.0. Now that's a whole another dis- discussion. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it yeah, is. That's a whole no- yeah, it is. Huh? Yeah, that's a whole another yeah, discussion. And people mm-hmm. are scared, you know. I mean, hell, I mean, I think it is kind of strange that a lot of the Ferguson people did not make it for various reasons. That's a scary. Yeah, thing. they're dying left and right. The activists in Ferguson mm-hmm. that were out there. They are dying under mysterious circumstances. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can talk about Melanie Hashimi, um, the Iranian reporter. That well, the well, actually she, the Iranian reporter from Louisiana. <laughs> okay, we can talk <laughs> about her. Yeah, from Louisiana. Sure. Okay, yeah, she did a. Uh, she went to Ferguson to do a uh, to do a documentary to take back to Iran. She ended up in prison for a number of weeks until the international pressure got too high. Now, I'm going to tell you this. They've been fucking with that woman for decades, okay? They've been fucking with that woman for decades. Now, I I, I mean, the only reason why I mentioned her name because I knew her personally. You know, she comes to the house. I know her. I used to date her. I used to date her niece. And it wasn't right what they did to her, you know? It wasn't right. Wasn't right. Nope. You know, you had this woman in prison eating pork products. You know, damn well she Muslim. Okay. Right. right. 
And I know but one thing I know about that. it. I know there's some people in that prison got cussed out five ways a Sunday because you weren't dealing with some Arab woman or some Persian woman. You were dealing with a black woman from Louisiana. She went there because she couldn't get a job as a reporter here in the States. And then she met this Iranian dude, and he was like, okay, well, let's just go back home, and you'll be straight over there with me. Right, right. And that's where she lived her life, you know. And, you know, it wasn't like she was against the country or anything like that, because every time she had a kid or was pregnant, she made sure she brought her behind right back here so the kid would be a U.S. citizen without any issues. Exactly. So, exactly. You know, so it's a lot but of I mean, stuff But that's what happens. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what happens to oh, people yeah. they consider as dissidents. You know, they do everything in their power to bring them down. And, and you know, yeah. most of the time they'll send in someone that looks like them to, to try to do the damage. So, you know, again, they have that filter, that shield from being, you know, accused of racism. Yeah. But, it, you know, it and happens. And one day we're going to have to talk about the shields in the, in the black atheists and agnostic community. One day we're going to have to have a discussion about that, but we'll save that for another day. <laughs> yeah, there are plenty of them out there, you know, and, yeah. and proud of it and proud of it. You know, yeah, and well, they're not shielding. They're not. They, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they haven't met the real, real. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, they don't like when I get to talking about some things. You know, because you know, I make people cry. You know, so yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> ah, mm. ah, it is a couple of the shields out there that didn't realize they were shields until I started talking shit and telling them what they were doing. But then they got angry at me and said that I was a horrible person for saying these things. And I'm like, well, how am I horrible? I'm like, you think you have a seat at the table, but you don't. I'm like, you don't realize that you're the one serving the meal. You're either serving the meal or you're the entertainment or you're on the fucking menu. Okay. Mm. You know, there is no seat at the table. There is no seat at the table. Yeah, you're sitting right there. But, you know, what did Jay-Z say? You know, (laughs) that his presence was, you know, um, basically charity. Your presence in those spaces, your presence in those spaces, the people that acknowledge you, these organizations that send you a check every once in a while, you don't realize that you're charity. That is how they see you. Mm-hmm. Your ego won't mm-hmm. let you see beyond that, but you know we we gonna come back that to that another time, you know. But you know, you oh, know, I'll yeah, be remiss because yeah. I look at it like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know I look at it like this very simply. Like when I was dealing with the Democratic Party and all their their BS, one of my one of my friends, one of my good friends, told me like this. He said, "Look, Jacob, that's a resource burner for you." You have an agenda. You have certain things that you want to do. These people aren't going to get you to where you want to go. And then some things happened to help me realize that. And mm-hmm. so I says, okay, well, I'm going to take my own path and do my own thing. And once I did that, took my own path, started doing my own thing, you know what? I became more powerful. I became right. to a position where if I didn't like something in the city politics or the county politics for that matter – just by a few phone calls, I could get that thing undone. You know, just by a few that? phone calls. Yeah. Right. But I stopped doing with these people every day and doing what they bullshit every day, I became more powerful. 
So, and, and, and I think that as a message to the black atheist community, get yourself right. Do things differently. Right. Leave exactly. these people alone. Leave these people alone or you'll be left alone. You know, exactly. don't be leading our people down the primrose path. <laughs> You're right. You're yeah. right. You have skills. You have talents. You have chutzpah to just to try to do this. But don't leave our people down the primrose path, or you'll be led down a path. And that's all I want to say. Exactly. Exactly. And you're absolutely correct. And, yeah, that's something that we definitely will be, you know, um, talking about in the future, you know, on a number of occasions. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. You know, I've, I've said different things on the show, given my opinion and rendered my decisions on, you know, as well as certain things are concerned anyway. But it's mm-hmm. it's, it's been a time. It's, it's been interesting you know, watching, especially in the black atheist community, watching everything that has transpired since 2010 till now, so the last 10 years. And the truth of the matter is, while it was in its infancy, you know, it's, it's kind of coming out of the infancy, looking at the progress that a lot of the black and brown atheists have made has been pretty much null. You know, any mm-hmm. progress that had, had been made has been rolled back. And there is a reason for that, you know, and and they don't like black atheists out here who fight back, who resist the bullshit they're putting out here because, you know, I did shows specifically talking about the racism in the, you know, in the atheist community, and they didn't want to talk about that. I've talked about racism in the LGBTQ community and how these little communities, the atheist community, the LGBTQ community, the environmental justice community, the disabled community, how they are a mirror image, just a microcosm, but a mirror image of mainstream America. Just because they're in these communities, that does not mean that their racism, their sexism, their misogyny, their transphobia and homophobia went away. You know, there's transphobia and homophobia even in the LGBTQ community. So that's why I don't mm-hmm. support these mainstream communities because they have not dealt with their inner issues. You know, and then they come at you with these crazy ass excuses as you know, basically I've heard white atheists say, they've said to me directly that when they were in religion, Christianity specifically, when they were Christians, they were racist and sexist and all these things. But once they left Christianity and went over to atheism, they were no longer racist and sexist and all of those. And, you know, my running joke is, you know, have you been washed in the blood of the four horsemen? Because that's what it sounds like. And they've turned that entire community into a damn religion. And, you know, people get angry when I say atheism has turned into a religion. They have turned it to a religion. They took everything that they saw happening in religion and Christianity, and they've created their own version of it. It is now a cult. It is now, yeah. you know, it, it's the religion. And they get angry, mm-hmm. but it's the truth. And when you resist that and you talk about it and you start cutting it off at the knees, then you become the enemy. Yeah. You right, know, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. The reason why I started BAU, because I came in like right when you were going out. And mm-hmm. I noticed some issues in the, the community because, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm not your typical non-believer. 
You know, I grew up in a household of non-believers. Okay, I grew up around '60s. You know, people that you would know, some people that you would know from the '60s and right. the '70s. <laughs> so, and that's they the, were that's very the well of, known atheists. It's just that they keep that information away from you. But go ahead, honey. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, so I grew up around these people, and and, and of, of activism, you know, not not street activism, but activism on you know funding the guys on the street, and right. um, so that's the, that's the environment I kind of grew up around, and so when I came into this community, and I was like, yeah, this is a great thing, but then I saw what was going on, and it was just like petty childish bullshit, right. and you know, and 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 picking sides and little silly skirmishes and all this other crap. And I said, you know what? I can do better. You know right. what? In fact, I will do better. And that's when I created BAAU. And I was like, and, and, and this, the way it just grew and, and, you know, and you keep on hearing time and time again, that the same criticisms of some of these other organizations out here, the same criticisms, you know, of the, you know, of the, the picking of favorites, the, the not only misogyny, but also the what's the, the word misogynoir that right. was going on in these groups. You know, I mean, and 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 just the lack of reality. And it was like this 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 um, it was like this orthodoxy. Yeah, and that's the way to describe it. It's this orthodoxy, and and mm-hmm. and and then I would see like when I hear some of these people's stories, and it's like, no, you just dropped religion and created your own religion. You know, right. And then some of the behaviors that would be okay, perfectly okay, to me it was just ridiculous. And so when you came out, and then it was kind of funny how we even met because it was like, you know, I was like, hey, let's talk. Because I've been trying for a while. I want the the organizations, different organizations, to get together and have a discussion. But some organizations didn't want to talk. So, but we talked, and we got together, and we said, hey, let's do some things. You know, especially now since I exactly. have time. <laughs> right. And I think that's right. what has to happen in our fact, community. We need to, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, you go ahead. No, baby, go ahead. Finish what you were saying. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, and, and as a community, we're here. And what we need to do is create community, real community, not this, exactly. not this thing where we're sitting here and, and just and and just having these little petty arguments and and things like that. No, we have to have real community. We have to put in place institutions and structures that are from us and by us, because only we can fix ourselves. No white overlord is going to be able to fix us. Okay. Right. No master right. is going to be able to give us money and to have us going all around the country, you know, being the little dog and pony show. And that's what needs to happen <laughs> in our community. You know, yeah, you're absolutely. You know, right. we don't need to be going around having um, wild parties and things. You know, yeah, and you work. know, the, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's right. And there's been a bunch of fallout from that type of behavior too. You know, a lot of people in the community, the atheist community in general, but especially the black atheist community, a lot of people don't realize how many damn lawsuits are being <laughs> filed and settled. You know, as far as like some of the predatory behavior that's out there, and there's a couple of people I'm I'm really surprised that you have not been sued yet. But that's a whole mm-hmm. different story. Mm-hmm. But um, well, you know, I thought about suing some folks too at one point in time for 
some of the nonsense, you know, I thought about it, but I'll pick out next time. I think I'll take, you know, take mm-hmm. your work, take your, uh, take your lead on that. I might have to, you know, do some things. Well, I mean, so, you know, the thing I, is, is that some of the people that I'm talking about specifically, you know, they have this obsession with having proximity to whiteness. So since you're so mm-hmm. obsessed with having that proximity to whiteness, I just treat you like white people treat other people, and I'm not going to argue with you on social media. Here, talk to this angry motherfucker that I'm paying money to. Talk to Mr. and Mrs. Lawyer. You know, that's how you handle that. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to do that next time something like that pops up. Because, I mean, I do know, and also I do know it's like in our community, there's these people that only thing they do, they just live to cause drama, you know? Right. It's it's kind of sad and upsetting that these things happen. But these people that live the cause drama, and they know who they are. And, you know, hopefully they just go away. You know, hopefully they find something else better to do with themselves. Yeah, well, you know, I I keep telling y'all I'm going to put them on somebody's prayer list, go to some of these websites (laughs) for these churches, put their name. (laughs) <laughs> put their name on the prayer list, man. But, you know, that's a whole different type of conversation. But you're right. But, you know, I wanted to mm-hmm. make sure that we address coronavirus, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we've been making our jokes about black people not having coronavirus, and it's because we wash our hands and our bodies, you know, the running joke there. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know I, want to put some, I want to put some seriousness to this. The the main reason why you're not seeing a lot of black, brown, and indigenous people coming up with the coronavirus is because they don't care if we have it. They're not testing us. They yeah. want you to die off. It's called managed mm-hmm. attrition. And and mm-hmm. I need for people to understand that. Yeah, we got our jokes. We got jokes about everything. Sometimes, you know, um, you know, having some type of you know you know comedic you know, um, view or perspective of things make it, makes it a little easier, some levity. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, they're not testing us because they don't care. That's why, you know, Mitch McConnell went away for the weekend and is not coming back to Congress till Monday, and they haven't passed any bills, you know, regarding the coronavirus because they, they're going to wait until the poor people get killed off. That's the same issue that's happening with the environmental justice. That is why you have Africa going to the U.N. and, and, and charging America and other Western countries with genocide. You know, they don't mm-hmm. care if black or brown people die off, if poor people die off. And when I say poor people, I'm talking about poor people across the board, including white poor people. You know, and, mm-hmm. and that's just how it is in this country. They hate us. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I look at it like this now, like the reason why that this disease hasn't taken off in Africa like it has in other places, one of the things is that they had Ebola in West Africa. So Africa is very acute to how to keep yourself from getting it. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't say it's anything (laughs) genetic about they know what the fuck to do. They're like, oh, no. (laughs) I know, been down this right. thing because Ebola is some scary shit. <laughs> okay, right, right. Yeah, you know, this Ebola. drug. Is, I mean, this Everybody disease is kind of sexy. Yeah, exactly. This disease is kind of sexy compared to Ebola. So, you know, so you just you know you get a less respiratory problems and you have heart failure. No Ebola, you're bleeding out of every orifice and you die. Um, exactly. But this thing is still a killer, and but they but they're managing it, and you know. It's still going to get out, but it's not going to be as bad. 
there. Now, here, this country has a whole other set of problems. We don't have enough beds, and we don't have enough equipment to keep people alive. So when this thing in particular hits red states, states like Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, you know, Alabama, it's going to be a hell, even Florida to a certain extent, actually Florida, you know, because just like in my town, the hospitals are on the north side of town. The black people live on the south side of town. Right. So There's a reason for that. Exactly. Exactly. Then they took away, fam, you used to have a hospital, but it hasn't been a hospital in a long time. But, um, you know, so that's a problem. You know, that's a problem. In fact, I'm going to make some phone calls on that while I'm thinking about it. Um, but, you know, these are issues that we have to – That's these are some issues that we have to address. And like I said, you guys got to, you know, hand sanitize, stay away from people, self-quarantine if you can afford it, you know, you know, just do what the things that are necessary to keep yourself alive. And, yes, these people are trying to knock off some poor people, which is kind of strange because if two people die, then where's Trump's support? Right. Because <laughs> <So>, <laughs> a lot of black people live in urban areas. I mean, we might live out in little country towns too, but a lot of us live in more urban areas. And, you know, our death rates from this thing ain't as bad as some of theirs. So, you know what I'm saying. Right. You know. But exactly. and you know, yes, that's an issue. I mean, I I don't I don't get the logic behind it. You know, you know, you you kind of shooting yourself in the foot. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know, but also I think this also is another way to, you know, they want to suspend the election because they know they're going boys going to lose. So exactly like they did in Louisiana. So right. So, it's so a I don't know. A lot of No, I mean, but you're absolutely right. You know, in Chicago, the activists had been challenging the University of Chicago because they didn't have a trauma center, and then they were turning people from the south side away, which is primarily or predominantly black, right? And in the area where the University of Chicago is located, it's called Woodlawn. So you have Woodlawn, uh-huh. Hyde Park, Kentwood, all those areas. And basically, you know, they were starting to turn a lot of black people away, and they would have to catch the bus to the west side to get to Rush Hospital or get to Stroger Hospital, also known as Cook County Hospital. But what's happened is, this, you know, the activists put so much pressure on them that they now have a trauma center. But what they've done, and this has been happening for years, even before the activists got out there to pressure for the trauma center, the University of Chicago has a program, whereas the employees of the university are given a certain amount of money to buy real estate, to buy homes, in the area surrounding the university. And as that has gone on, they've started to gentrify the area. You know, there were no grocery stores, no nothing. Now they have a Walmart and, you know, um, Whole Foods. All of that stuff is in that area. I used to live in that area. One place, you know, where I lived was, you know, we paid rent, but it was a building. It was a nice building, but, you know, the owner didn't keep it up as well as he should have. Now, an apartment in that building, if they sold it off as condos, 
Now that apartment is commanding two, three hundred thousand dollars that we once lived in. So the people in the community have been basically forced out, as I call gentrification, deported out of their communities, and they could no longer afford to live there. And the people that do own property, the black people that own property, they're being taxed out of the community because they can no longer afford the property taxes. So Dang, you know, like so Washington yes, D.C. Yeah. Yeah, they gave the activists what they wanted, but then they went on and fully pushed their program to push the people in the community out. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, now they're forcing them to move out to the suburbs while they cut public transportation services and all of that, and not just the racism, the white supremacy or pathology behind all of that. You know, the thing is, is that my mom said before she died, we had a conversation about me and what I'm out here doing. And she said to me, Kim, white people don't mind you knowing this information, but they do have a problem with you sharing it with other folks. And, you know, Red Ninja has been on the show before, and he was talking about how he had to learn all this information about the black community and what was happening. He had to learn about it in college, and he had to pay for those classes. So that's why, you know, when I do these shows and I put them out there and I leave them out there, you know, there's some people that take it for granted. And I was like, but you don't realize that these people, they write these books, these subject matter experts, and I come on the show and break it down to a point where I pretty much think anybody can understand it. And we're doing it all for free, you know, and I'm going to start monetizing part of this platform because it's like there are projects that I want to do and the projects cost money. And yes, I've been using my own money, but now I'm at the point, why should I use my own money for all of these projects? And you you don't use your own money for yeah, that's that's rule number one. Don't use your own money to make money if right. you don't have to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but this has been you a know. labor of love. You know, because it's like oh, I love yeah, what I, I love this show. I love what I talk about. You know, I talk to somebody on the phone. I'll talk your ear off about these things because it's like I just don't understand why other people don't know this. But again, my mom summed it up. They basically put us in a position whereas we can't really share this information with other folks. You know, you have these academics and these public intellectuals that are out here, and to a certain degree, you know, because I, I give them a hard time in some regards, but on the other hand, you know, with these universities and colleges, if they came out here and they started sharing a lot of this information, they'll lose their jobs. They'll lose, you know, their credibility, all of that, because that's how the system has been designed to work. Whereas someone like me, I ain't got to worry about that type of shit. I don't give a fuck. You know, I'm not going to miss a meal. Trust and believe I'm not going to miss a meal over here. You know, you know, so, you know, it's just it's really interesting, you know, how all of that, you know, comes about. But, you know, um, you know, I just wanted to address that. We're not hearing about a oh, lot absolutely. of black and brown people having coronavirus is because they're not testing us. But what I wanted to do, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. If you want to get tested for coronavirus, and even though they're saying that it's going to be free and no cost to the people, the easy way to get tested for the coronavirus is to go and try to donate blood. They're going to take a sample of your blood and they're going to test it. If you have coronavirus, they will be able to tell you that day. That's how you get around yep. that shit. Yep, that's slick because that's how people were doing back in the day. That's how they used to do for AIDS. Exactly. That's how they would get tested exactly. for AIDS. That was the easy way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Makes I would sense. just tell people. Tricky. Yeah, very tricky. 
Hey now, that's right, damn it. You know, and it's free. Mm-hmm. How about <laughs> it's free. <laughs> so hey, if you think you had the corona, if you think you <laughs> have the corona, what you gonna have to do now is gonna go down there and get some blood. And then they'll be able to tell you if you have the corona. Right, right, right. And you said it just like black people, the corona. If you got the corona. You know, <laughs> no, I call it the corona. Like the sugar, baby. Sugar. I'm in the South. Corona. We call it the corona. Oh, all right. <laughs> exactly. Now get it straight now. Right, now, right, honey, right. get it straight now. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get that corona. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, you know, it's a trip, man, it's just, it's a trip, you know, being black in America, and, you know, and we were just having a discussion earlier about, you know, because I was talking, you know, telling this young woman about how when I went to Amsterdam, you know, it was a lot of black Europeans there, and black Africans, and we were talking about how blackness, in and of itself is discussed, but it is centered around black Americans. And that's Mm -hmm. where some of the resentment comes in when we start having these discussions with black people from other countries and how black Americans, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's not their fault. You know, again, Mm -hmm. we did not create these particular conversations or institutions. We're suffering from them. We are a byproduct Mm -hmm. of it, right? Now, and, you know you and, made that young so, lady's day, right? You know you made that young lady's day, but you know you made her day by calling her young. You know that, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Deb, darling. Thank you. Uh-huh. You made her day. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was great. She was great. You know, but, you know, again, just moving forward in life, I just want you guys to be safe. You know, I want you to – I send you down these rabbit holes on purpose. But I want you to go and look up black neoliberalism. I want you to read those articles. You know, I want you to understand what's happening. You know, and even, you know, we talked a little bit about the black um, atheist community. And, you know, and it's called racial tribalism, right? I want you to go uh-huh. and look that up. And there's a reason why it benefits white supremacy or white pathology for us to have these type of tribalism mindsets, but we also understand that we need those mindsets in order to protect ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like a two-edged sword happening mm-hmm. there. And also look up Morton Minsk. He was a he was a writer back in the 70s and 80s. And you'll see that how the progression of the stuff, like the stuff that he said was going on then and what's going to happen from it, is going to, you'll see it, you know. He wrote books and stuff like that. So look up Morton Mintz, too, while you're at it, too. That's my little tidbit. What, so can you spell his last name for the audience? Oh, come on, man. You're going you're gonna to ask it this way to how to spell something? <laughs> okay, really? Okay. Sorry, okay. Look it up. Go Google will get yeah. it. Just say Morton Minsk, and, you know, you, Google will catch it. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's, it's just it's a trip. You know, it's just so much that's happening. But, yeah, I want people to think about what this America, what this country, what the world will look like without Wall Street greed, you know, with all of that and and basically holding these black elite, the black ruling class, hold them to account for their, you know, because they don't care about you being poor. As a matter of fact, many of them hate you because you are poor. 
and how many of these issues could have been addressed, we could be addressing now if the black elite and ruling class would actually confront it because they they have the audience. They have the audience yeah. with the powers that be, but they just don't get it. And them also don't they be afraid to their... vote them out. Yeah. Exactly. And the main thing, don't be afraid to vote them out. Like you have certain Congress people around the Houston area, vote them out. You have certain Congress people around this area, South North Florida and Jacksonville, that need to be voted out. Okay? You have certain congressmen all around the country in South Carolina that need to be voted out because they've they've uh they've they're past their sell by date. And these people need to be voted right. out. So vote them out, replace them with them somebody who's younger, somebody who is more agile, somebody who's more progressive and more fit for your needs. Cause that's exactly. What we need. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, you know, we're gonna, again, we're gonna not we're not gonna call ourselves the Tea Party, but we're gonna call ourselves the Progressive Party. You know? <laughs> so that's what needs yeah, to happen. I mean, that's what we need to do. Yeah, you know, because I believe that we need third and fourth parties. There was someone in the group that addressed me Friday, but it was time for me to mm-hmm. go to bed. I was tired and I didn't have time to respond to him yesterday and more than likely not today but Monday. But I do believe we need to form third and fourth parties that we need to, again, run, you know, people and start taking over the Democratic Party from the inside out. That's the only way we're going to make any real progress. And you have people say, well, Kim, these third and fourth parties is never going to work. It's never worked in the past. We know that. And so that's why we have to discuss why the, you know, both parties, the bipartisan, you know, folks there, why it is to their advantage to crush any third or fourth yeah. parties that are trying to but that, form. That, but that's not, even ac- that's not even historically accurate because the Republican Party hasn't been around a very long time. The Republican exactly. Party crushed the Whig Party. So yep. like, the, like there was a Whig party, then there wasn't. There was a Republican party. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, these things happen from time to time. And right now, yes, the, the grand old party, you know, hasn't been our party very long, but it's our party right now. And if this party doesn't get some act right, yeah, it's time for a change. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. But what I'm saying is get your ass out and vote and don't do something crazy like vote for a third party in a two-way race. No, you vote for, like, it, it, I look at it like there's a football analogy. If you've got the Saints and you've got New England in the Super Bowl, why the hell are you going to vote for, uh, you know, Tampa Bay? Right. For winning this race. Why are you going to bet on Tampa Bay to win it? They're not going to win it. It's going to be two, one of those two that's going to win it. So you vote for one of those two that's going to win it. You know, this isn't the election to do, because we're looking at fascism, okay? Right. None of us have seen fascism in the modern era. And we're looking at fascism in a fascist court. So that's what we're looking at. And we're looking at a, a guy that's going to do anything in his power to stay in office because he doesn't want to go to prison. Okay. <laughs> I mean, let's be right. real, because, you know, New York State's waiting on him. That sister in New York State is waiting on his ass. Like, okay. He got me. I wouldn't be surprised if the day after he gets out of not even the day after, maybe the same day he gets out of office, the new president sworn and he might get in, catch an indictment or two or four or ten. 
So that's what we look at. But you at. already know what's going to so, happen. Let's just say hypothetically if Biden wins, Biden is going to pardon Trump. He can only pardon him on a federal charge. You can't pardon him on a state charge. Exactly. That's why I want people to understand. So, you know, that's why yeah. these other people, they're still being prosecuted by the different states because you cannot be pardoned from a state crime. Yeah. And and that's the thing. And there's a lot of states that want a piece of that action, not just because, you know, he's the president or whatever. No, they want a piece of that action because guess what? That's going to propel their political careers. You know, that sister in New York, she wants to be governor one day. So how it's better to become governor than, than to take the most reviled politician in American history and prosecute his ass and win that prosecution? Right. So something Pro- to think well, about. Prosecute him until you get carpal tunnel. Go ahead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's going to spare no expense. He's going to get that motherfucker and his kids. Right. <laughs> so play with it if you want to. That's all I got to say. Play with it if you want to. You know, because the man did do some financial. I mean, hell, in a federal indictment, one of his buddies, they mentioned his name is a top criminal in it, but they couldn't mention, they couldn't do anything about it because he's the president. So, right. You know, so this boy ain't getting pardoned. You know, Biden, might, if, even if he did try to pardon him on the federal crimes, he still got the state crimes. Exactly. You know, so let's be real about this and. We want him out of office no matter what, okay? You know, we want exactly. him out of office. So, so, and this is the way to do it, even if it's Biden, but we need him out of office, you know. And I think you can hear in my voice that I'm no fan of Biden. Not but at all. This fool got to go. So, food for thought. All right, I'm done talking. <laughs> 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 no, but it's it's the truth. It's the truth. You know, just looking at this and, you know, just Americanism. And, you know, when I talk about Americanism, you know, I'm talking about how Americans, some Americans, think that the entire world, that the entire universe revolves around this country. You know, and, and, and that's not the case. Because if these people actually really understood how they are being cheated and mistreated, and and you know basically Hoodwink, you know bamboozled, run amok. Hey now, yes, that's right, damn it. You know they would be you didn't angry. Off, you didn't you didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's right, that's right. You know, and and it's just the whole thing. It's like you know what did they say? Um, Harriet Tubman was saying that she couldn't save everybody because some of them didn't even know that they were slaves. You know, and so, hey, you know, and, and, you know, some of what's happening in this country, you're talking to these people, but they think you're crazy, you know, and then, you know, a little bit down the line, they're like, oh, well, maybe she wasn't crazy after all, you know, and it's funny because, you know, once I started walking away from the atheist community in 2015 and some of the Mm -hmm. feedback I got afterwards, they were like, Kim, you were right. You told us this was going to happen, and you know, as far as current events were concerned. And I'm like, I know I was right. And I was like, this shit repeats itself. It's just a different name. It may be a different location, but it's the same bullshit. And they have mm-hmm. us conditioned. They have us trained. They know exactly how we're going to react to certain things, which is why I try to teach you guys history 
so that you'll know what's happening so that you won't be, what, hoodwinked and bamboozled. You'll know exactly what's happening. And, again, you know, Albert Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and over and expecting a different result. You know, and can you repeat Americanism. That? Can you repeat that? Can you repeat that so they insanity, can hear it? Insanity yeah. is doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting a different result. That's never going to well, happen. Well. You know, it, and with the cheddar tater tot and his administration has done, you know, things that we already suspected, that they were fraudulent, that they were con artists, that, you know, they didn't have their seat at the table because they were the best and the brightest, is because they knew how to outmaneuver and exploit and cheat and manipulate everyone else. And all he's done was shine a spotlight on it because it's like now not only are we looking at him, but we're looking at all the other ones and finding out that they are doing the same old bullshit. So all of that damn American dream mythology that, you know, that they put out there, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You work hard, and if you work hard and get your education, you can have the world. And that is a damn lie. And the people that they are lying to the most in that regard are white men. That's why you see these motherfuckers losing their mind and shooting up crowds because they have been lied to and told that the world is their oyster. They just have to go out there and get it, and by manifesting Manifest destiny that it is their birthright to have everything and to have the best life ever and to have all the money and to have this this world of luxury and everything pretty much handed to them. And now that the pot has gotten a little smaller, or I wouldn't even say the pot has gotten smaller, it's just more people. You know, everybody is repopulating more but them. So their population is dwindling while everybody else's population is growing. You know, but even in a black community, we're not populating as much as we used to. You know, it's not as fast, and, you know, the numbers are not the well, same. Wait till, they, really wait till they ban abortion, then we're going to start seeing. And that's the thing they don't understand, too, like in Alabama, places like that. Uh, you're going to see a lot of more uh, black babies and significantly more brown and beige babies. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it's going to get really interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, but there are problems that come with that because it's like, you know, they're concerned about the baby when it's inside of your uterus, but once you push that thing out, they don't give a damn anymore. And then all of a sudden now, you know, you're a lazy parent. You're, you know, um, you're an unfit parent. You're all of these things because you can't take care of a child that they forced you to have, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and yeah. then because they're not addressing the issues of poverty and, and lack of health care and just a number of other issues, that brings in, you know, more factors into that particular equation there. But, you know, they don't want yeah. to talk about that. They try to shut down those conversations and, and say to us, well, where is the money coming from? You have money for everything and everybody else. They cut the taxes of the rich and raise the taxes on the rest of us. You know, and, and, you know, just trying to get people to understand what's happening. But, you know, I understand the way some black and brown people feel. They feel like, well, it ain't going to do any good. They're going to do what they want anyway. They don't care about us. And that's one of the reasons why you have people staying home from voting. But then you have this other set of people that don't vote because they feel as though their vote doesn't count. And, you know, to a certain degree, I understand because the, the you know, the Electoral College in and of itself and its origins are racist as fuck 
But in addition to that, look at what happened with Gore. Look at what happened with Hillary and all of that. And, you know, these decisions were made by the Electoral College and the Supreme Court in the case of Gore. So I can see why they feel as though their vote doesn't count. Mm -hmm. But also there's a workaround around that. Like this is what I always do whenever I vote. I always go in person to to, to the registrar. And I vote in person. I take get a mail in. I may mean, get a mail ballot. I fill it out in person right there. Then I turn it in, because most campaigns I'm during elections. I was working them. Now I'm just out of town. Period. So right. that's what I do to work around. So if people instead of waiting in line start doing that, like hey, it's a Tuesday. I need to go vote. Let me go in here. Or it's a Wednesday. It's not early voting, but it's you do the mail-in ballots because there, now you got a paper record and you can check your right. signature card so they can't boot you from the system because of your signature card, okay? And the thing is, too, is like people say, oh, well, that, they can cheat my vote easily that way. No, they can't because now there's an actual ballot. There's your name. There's your signature. You fixed your signature card so everything matches up and everything is done because guess what? That's how the white people vote. So exactly. that's it. So you vote like that, you don't have to worry about sticking your 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 your, your vote into a machine. You've already voted by mail. So that's a way to get around the system because they know that that's why they shut down on how many days you can vote in advance to early vote by the machines and stuff. The machines are fucked up. Okay? Right. So go in there and vote early by mail in ballot. So that way you 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 you're flipping the system because that's how they're that's how they have everything structured right now to fuck you over your vote over, and it don't make no sense not to vote because too many of us died, and if votes didn't matter, they wouldn't be trying to suppress your vote to this day. They spent good money, big money, on making sure your ass doesn't vote on social media, these goddamn Russian bots, all this shit to get your ass not to vote. So you're trying to say me your vote doesn't matter. No, your vote matters. We could run this state in Florida if this black people went out and vote because the white vote's going to be split, okay? Might even be a little bit more white people voting for the Republicans. But if we get out and vote and not just go to the machine and, and wait in line with the church crowd, no, get out there and vote the way, vote the way I'm telling you to vote, oh, we're going to win every election, Okay. That's what I'm saying. Straight up, we'll win every damn election. We could run. Well, so we could run. Uh, yeah. We could run any candidate. Oh, yeah. We could run Method Man, and he'd win election if we just got out of <laughs> did what the hell we needed to do. Okay, Flavor Flav for governor, and that motherfucker would win. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, I want to make sure that we don't shame the people who don't vote for whatever reason. You know, they have their reasons, and, you know, I've been trying my best to try to be more understanding about those types of things. Because at one point, you know, after the 2016 election, I mean, I had already declared that Trump was going to win before we officially found out. But, you know, I, I had come to the point where I was like, what's the purpose of voting anymore? You know, and I mean, some people were feeling that way even before the Trump election. But, you know, I don't want them to feel as though someone is pointing the finger and shaming them. All we're doing here is telling folks a different way that they can do things and one way that you can make sure that your vote is in. But if you choose not to vote, 
Yeah. And count it. Exactly. Yeah, and count it. Right. Because we need but to switch up the game of how we do things. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. We got to switch up the game. Because I'm telling you, you know, y'all going to be in the little death camps, but my ass won't be here, okay? I'm taking my own family <laughs> out of here. So y'all can do what you do, but my behind ain't going to be here, okay? Just letting you know. Exactly. I'm telling you what's coming. Y'all can choose to do whatever you want to do, but right. I would get my ass out of the road. That's all I'm saying. Right. You know. Well, well we already know my plan. You know, at first I was yeah. going to go and hang out with the Quakers and shit, but now that the Trump administration is really messing with them because they want that oil under that land, you know, they messed up my, my little plans to be with the Quakers. But, you know, the Quakers have their issues with racism and sexism and all that over there, too. And um, and so, yeah, you know. Just learn German. Just learn German. No, honey, I'm getting the hell up out of here. I need to be brushing up on my Portuguese. That's what I need to be brushing up on because uh, we got a plan. You know, Raina going to Honduras, and I'm going to Salvador, Brazil. You know, Girl, you don't tell them where you're going? You don't tell them well, where you're no. going? I didn't say where but I'm that doesn't going. Mean that that's, but that doesn't going. mean that's where I'm going. I'm just giving an example. <laughs> Somewhere where they take in American black American expats and they protect them, you know, because yeah. they know what the hell is going on in this country, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's ridiculous. But yeah, well, we're getting ready to wind nah, you it have down. To find me. I'll be back in a bush someplace. You have to find me. I'm gonna have a compound <laughs> with some big titty, uh, some big titty sisters. So oh that's Lord, it. oh yeah, Lord, you and the rest of the sisters, right? It's a- <laughs> But, you know, we're winding down, right, right, right. So you Yeah, yeah, I'm just talking trash on that. About, oh, yeah, no, but tell everybody a little, little bit about you, about B-A-A-U. Little breath, little breath matter. Little breath matter. <laughs> and little booties matter. Okay. How about that? A little bit about me. Okay. Um, well, I'm the, I guess, for lack of a better term, the president of B, the founder of BAAU. I don't like to use the term president or anything like that. I view BAAU as a group for everyone. Um, it's not my group. I just set it up. That's it. And I set up with other people too. So um, that's how I view BAAU. Um, we um, now that I have a bunch of personal issues out the way, that we're going to start doing a lot more. You're going to start. In our community, you're going to start hearing a lot more about us in a positive way. Um, and uh, that's, that's where I'm at. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, I think that we have components of we want to be political. We want to be socially responsible and active. Um, we want to bring community. And I think that's something that's the missing component in our, in, in our reality is that we don't have truly community. You know, there have been times when we've had certain issues with certain people and we've helped them out to get to where they want to go. Well, I want to formalize that, you know, as BAAU. So that's where I view, that's what that's who I am and that's what I do. Um, you know, I have a day job um, and also I'm very, act, like I said, I'm very active in politics. Not so much as I used to be, but I'm still pretty active. And that's it. And that's who I am. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And, you know, as you stated earlier, 
you and I have had the opportunity to sit down and talk some things and talk some things through, and and we're going to be working together and collaborating on some projects. So I'm really looking forward to oh, all yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So oh, you yeah. know, tell them where you to find you. And brain. On... There you go. Oh, oh yeah, but pinky and who's the brain? Am I pinky? <laughs> Are you the brain or, or am I pinky? You know, what, what's going on yeah, here? I guess it depends on what day of the week it is, right? It's like, okay, yeah, because I like the pinky it a lot. Narf, you know, I don't, you know. Because yeah. I'm just a dumb country boy. That's all I am, just a dumb country boy. I like, I'd rather go fishing and hunting. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is too funny. But, yeah, no, but we've had a chance to talk, and we're going to work on some work on some things, and, Working some things out, and you're just going to see some changes. Absolutely. And we're just looking forward to what's on the horizon. So just be on the lookout for some announcements from us and some things that we're going to start rolling out. And so, you know, I'm very happy about this. You know, earlier today we were able to bring some of the people that we have in groups based in Africa, and we had a conversation, and we were just spitballing, and everybody seems to have had a good time. Even your brother had a big old smile on his face. So I was pretty happy about Oh, yeah, oh, I got to do, do one shout-out to mm-hmm. BAAU International South Africa they doing it big, and I got to give a special shout-out to Linduay Lewis, the Zulu Jamaican princess. Got to give a shout-out to her. <laughs> she has been on her shit. Okay. That's it. Excellent. That's my shout-out. Excellent. Excellent. There you go. So I'm just telling everybody be on the lookout. You know, um, I'm just sitting back and feeling some kind of way because this coronavirus has totally canceled my spring and summer. So I won't be in Italy. I won't be in France. You know, I was supposed to go to Nice. I was supposed to be in the French Alps, right, and a number of other conferences. Oh, I have a hookup for you whenever you do get over to Nice. Um, you can go see my um, my former sister-in-law. She's good. She's still people. She'll take you around. Okay, so I'll be there next year, you know, because okay. it's been pushed back to next year. So we'll talk about that a little bit offline, you know. But, yeah. again, everybody – this is Jacob Eden from Black Atheists Agnostics United, as well as Black Atheists and Agnostics United International. You can find both groups on Facebook. Um, you do you yeah you do have a, a public page for Black Atheists and Agnostics United. We need to start pushing that to yeah, the group. Yeah, please go like the page. You know, I don't really do full with it too much, but it's like kind of an afterthought. But yeah, go like the page. I'll start posting more. So it'll be excellent. So there are some more projects that are going to be rolled out. You know, Jacob will be on the show, you know, frequently, and 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 is some other announcements. So just just be on the lookout. We'll put the information out there. But you know, the main thing I want people to know is Jacob and I have had a chance to have some conversations, and and you know, I'm one of those people. Whereas I feel that you know, if you talk to someone and you set expectations, and, you know, you start working towards it, you know, I do believe in, you know, restorative justice. I do believe in reconciliation. I do believe in all of those things, but not if you're still stuck on bullshit. If you're still stuck on bullshit, there's nothing for us to discuss because there will not be any movement in that. It's just dead. So, you know, again, we're moving forward. Life goes on, 
This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Yes, we are Black Free Thinkers, but we are not the Kanye or Candace Owens kind. So there you go, everybody. Thanks for joining us this Sunday. Thank you for those positive thoughts. You know, I got through my surgery with flying colors. And, you know, I'm not totally out the woods, but I'm feeling a lot better. So enjoy your Sunday evening, and I'm looking forward to talking with you all next week. I have not figured out what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be fun, and I'm going to post the information, you know, this week. I'm going to try to make the next two shows up and try to get all that stuff posted by Thursday so that at least you'll know, we, you know, the show is every week Sunday at 1. So we'll go from there. So anyway, Jacob, thank you. Kindly, my friend, we are Black Free Thinkers. We're here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Enjoy your Sundays, everybody. Take care. Peace. Peace.